0: Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, Just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, Lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Yeah, we might as well just hit record and start talking about it. I mean, talking
1: about Tanner's easy, right? I mean, I could talk about Tanner all day. Um I could actually have him on the podcast every week. I fucking love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just so um I don't know what the word I I mean, charming is a is an easy word, but like he's just so down to earth and easy to he's just fun to talk to. He's Yeah. He's a he's he's a he's a wonderful storyteller. He is smart as hell, so he like he knows his shit. And almost like, almost like dismissively, he'll just he'll just uh, you know mention something historically or something that he read one time or or some concept that he's he's learned about. Like he's just he's that combination of uh, has a lot of cool information is is insanely like wise and also just is so warm and and good at t- telling stories. I love talking to Tanner.
1: Yeah, I just kind of want to listen to him in this episode. I mean, you're describing he has a lot of depth and breadth, I guess. He just has like yes, deep wisdom and also a lot of knowledge on things. And, you know, I I, I felt a little bad in hindsight in this episode because I was like, um, I don't know if feeling bad's the right word. I just wondered if we went the right direction. And I was like, tell us about your story. And I'm glad we did. But I guess what I'm saying is that I would just like to talk about any topic with him and just shoot the breeze, you know? Well, yeah. Dude.
0: Yeah. Dead on. And it's funny that you mention it because like for a while there in the episode, like as, as the three of us were just chatting, I was kind of like, Oh, I, I wonder where this is. I wonder where we're going to go with this. Or I wonder, you know, cause a lot of times those things just sort of uh, have a life of their own and and just sort of like blossom as we're talking. And then man, it pays off that story. The, 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 the stuff we talk about, you know, the last quarter of the episode, just like, I mean, it, it made me, it, it almost made me be like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a whole new way to live. Like there's a whole different way of living my entire life that I could try.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I texted something similar afterwards. Just said like, look, you unlocked something in me, which was like this deep longing for like communal experience, you know, because we talk about like, you know, he talks about a. Uh, I shouldn't. Exp- yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit. He talks about a a grief ceremony that he attended, and man, it just really unlocks something in, something primal in me. Same. I think I was feeling it all weekend, actually. So,
0: yeah, big time. The dude's an artist, and and his art, like, obviously, his art is amazing. Like, if you if you've seen, you know, what he does. And he's so versatile. I mean, obviously Zelf on the Shelf is is hilarious and poignant and they they do a good job of digging into like an actual almost like a lot like a logical fallacy on things that come out from the church. But beyond that, I mean the guy has has uh, painted stuff for us that was amazing, you know, created art created art for us. And then he's a musician and he and his is also a lived artistic experience. I, I don't think I don't remember if it was on the podcast the first time they were on or if it was just in a conversation. But he talks about just like, you know, diving into the history of, of, you know, Salt Lake and Utah. And I think he tells a story about like rollerblading through an abandoned whatever. And he's just, he, he lives art. Like he's a,
1: yeah. What a, yeah. Well, this is a, this is a fun one. I think people will enjoy this one. Well, I think that, that essence comes through in this episode, that authenticity. And that uh, love how you said that living your art um so yeah i'm excited to share this one um and speaking of authenticity doug we got a review that i'd like to read here oh yeah so this was from a uh d-stip which is you know we used to call you d fresh man can we say that We call me
0: d that's okay to say well <laughs>
1: yeah dude but d d-stip is not me but d-stip is definitely uh represent I, uh, I love this review so the title is called authenticity and says a big shout out to this podcast for being incredibly authentic, loving, and inspirational. As a non-Mormon but self-proclaimed hippie Christian, I think this podcast says something great for anyone that is on their healing slash spiritual journey or looking to start this journey. Awesome guests with a variety of great topics and learning opportunities. Thanks for thanks for providing the space for your
0: listeners. Yeah, I like reading that. Like, made my heart sing a little bit. You know, it's like. Sometimes it, sometimes we just kind of put these out we and, and we see that people are listening, but we, we just get kind of minimal, you know, feedback. And once in a while, when we get a review or, or, you know, like sometimes people will just reach out to us out of the blue, um, through, through various channels. And it's just so, I don't, I don't know, I, maybe, maybe there's a vain part of me that's saying that, but it's just so validating to hear that sometimes. Cause it's like, we're putting it off into the ether, you know, we're just, mm-hmm. we're like, we're like here's our offering we are energetically we're like putting our all into it and it was it's cool it's, it's cool that um people are coming along with us
1: yeah and it's always fun to hear from non-mormons too yeah that is resonating with them as well because i think there's something definitely i mean there's definitely something collective about the experience i know we talk a lot about mormonism in this podcast but um i think there's definitely these like Universal themes that will resonate, and especially with people, you know, like as you talked about a proclaimed hippie Christian. I think he's right at home here. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think that anybody uh, who has, you know, has had the experience with some sort of high demand uh, life modality mm-hmm. can kind of can kind of tap into a lot of the stuff that that we're trying to tap into. It's just, you know, we all have a shared um, what's what I'm looking for here, Mike? We, we we all have like this shared experience that has led us all in these different directions and made us feel a lot of different pain and sorrow and and also joy and 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 uh, you know ecstasy. But it's, I, I, yeah, that 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 review. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that review really touched my heart.
1: Same. I really loved it. And so, if you're feeling so inclined and and to uh, leave us a, a review this week, you know, I think. I'd like to start reading a few of these, you know, when we on these intros. I think they're kind of fun. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we'd really give appreciate us some give us something
0: to do if you're out there. Go
1: go leave a review and we'll we'll read it. <laughs> and you know, if you're feeling so inclined as well to give us some uh, to fill up the uh, fresca slash kombucha budget, um, the links are in the show notes. Our our Venmo is on there too. But that really is appreciated as well. In the meantime, enjoy, enjoy Tanner.
0: Enjoy.
2: Oh yeah, that was awesome.
0: Yeah, well, she, she told me that, she told me that, uh, we would have to change the policy if I wanted to wear my kilt to work. And I was like, (laughs) well, who, like, let's change the fucking policy then.
2: (laughs) Okay, easy. (laughs) Okay.
0: I literally look homeless every time I come to the office. Like that's that's like <laughs> that's the line we draw at. But but kilts, we're listen, we, we, got, we keep away from kilts around here.
2: How y'all feeling after uh Mormon Palooza?
0: Shit, man, first that's gonna be tangent. my first question to you. I, I I it was funny, like um the order of things. I you know the, the it, it, it created a long day if you were there for the the, the the TED talk or the talks and then the um the music and then for the dance it created for like a long day I would I think like different venues or different days or whatever would be kind of cool mm. but other than that I I thought it was awesome like I I had a time of my life
2: I know yeah the kilt looked so good
0: I thought yeah. the kilt the kilt was working for me huh yeah I'd like to find more excuses to wear that kilt I don't think you need excuses you just you just do it
2: you just do it yeah
0: that <laughs> it'd be a hard turn it would be a hard it would be a hard turn for people to be like you know we just gotten used to you for the last 10 years dressing like you actually actually don't have a job now you're gonna <laughs> now i'm gonna be wearing like one of those like pay, like pirate blouses and the kilt and all that kind of shit like I'll now be,
2: you're scottish
0: <laughs> yeah what is happening now you're scottish <laughs>
1: Uh, for me with Mormon Palooza, there is a little bit of a come down of like, you know, it was, it was fun. I mean, there was a lot of preparation that went into it, like on, I mean, especially like on Sarah's end, but like we were, you know, in those meetings leading up to it and then to put on the event and then just have such a cool time. It was so fun to be up there performing. And, uh, so afterwards it's like, okay, well what, what's next in my life? I don't know, but
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everest. Hey, yeah, Everest. What about you? Oh, uh,
2: yeah, I loved Mormon Blues. I thought it was so fun. It's it was fun to see the like progression from the first road show you did to this one, and I'm like, round three is gonna be a banger. It was a lot of fun. Good to have just like wholesome community time and uh, really feel like, oh man, this is such a talented, fun group of people. And yeah, everybody performed it was amazing. Um, hope to be doing more with some of those folks.
0: I mean, we, tenor. we, li- I, I've told you this, but like, we literally keep planning these things just so I can hear that song. J-Mall. Like that's <laughs> or let it blow away. What do we call it? I don't know what we call it, but I, that's like my primary reason for going to these things. <laughs> so I can hear that song. Well, I,
2: I hope to at some point have it all, you know, it's, it's weird just being out there with just me and the guitar. Cause You know, the way I've arranged things on my computer, whatever, is fully instrumental. And oh, yeah. So I want to, you know, perform with a a group soon. um, Do you have a recording? Do you
1: have have a recording of it?
2: Yeah, I have a demo of that song. Um, It's definitely different than what it has become since making the demo. Yeah. But I do have one on my SoundCloud.
0: So what does a guy got to pay to get Trick, like, I, 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 like, how do we get, how do we get access to your sound club, bro? Like, I feel like I've texted you like begging, like, will you please, <laughs> can I please have like a copy of that song? I mean,
2: yeah, I, 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 you know, the, the picture I have is the picture that I did for your guys's uh, song circle because it also captured the spirit of that in my heart. So a oh, little buddy. twofer that connects us all.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, love, I love that art. When I, uh, and, you know, I just had a feeling, it was one of those things, you know, ever since and the podcast is the only thing I've ever done where it's just like, I'm just going to lean into my, the, my intuition. I, I don't remember what it was. I just saw your art and I was like, holy shit, I, I want him to do the, the song circle art. And when you mm-hmm. sent me that, the version of it, I just, it couldn't have like captured it any more perfectly. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad you, yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank
2: you. Yeah, I love doing it. <laughs> and I love that piece. Yeah, that thing, that which thing I can't say good. of all my pieces.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's, I feel like there's such cool hidden stuff in that thing. You know, like every once in a while, I'll, I'll kind of be going down a, uh, like a stroll down memory lane, and I'll, I'll just look at that. And I feel like you got layers. You got layers in that thing. Like I, I feel like I'm finding. You know, obviously the the serpent in the moon and the people dancing the fire. But I feel like if I look around at other stuff, you've got stuff hidden in there. I don't know.
2: Yeah, there's mushrooms in there. Jeffrey R. Holland in the trees.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just the trees rustle with every jiggle of his jowls, right?
2: Yeah, with every rustle of his Nelson. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, oh, sorry, Mike. I was (laughs) going to keep shooting the shit for a second. My my dad uh, talked to me over the weekend and was like, hey, I got some news for you. They've made changes to, I can't remember what it was. They made changes to something where the strength of youth yeah, for the strength of youth. And he's like, "Ah, tattoos just aren't as frowned upon because that like breaks my mom's heart and it breaks my dad's heart a little bit that I got (laughs) tattoos. And so they're trying to, they're trying to like find a way to mend their broken hearts and he was excited to share that news with me and i was like all right dad i'm back
2: i'm back and the- we're allowed alignment. to not care anymore <laughs> yeah. oh or i'm whatever. back to being
1: able to do what i want with my body yay
2: yay awesome
1: <laughs> so i'm out of the loop what, well, what were some of the other uh what were some of the other changes
2: the piercings they don't frown on that so much anymore it's kind of like uh would a person do this with the temple?
0: We'll let you decide. That's for you to decide, but I think you know how we feel. <laughs> Which is
2: technically not so against it on paper anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like what a parent would say to you. Okay, well, just do what you want. And it's like, oh, well, that's not really an invitation to actually <laughs> do what I want. It's like, it's an even scarier version of do what I say, right?
2: Yeah. Or, or even worse, just the most like intensely Mormon tattoos you've ever seen. We're talking CTR shields Big on the old chest, shield. full more like Salt Lake Temple on the back.
1: <laughs> oh, you know what I want to get then is, or that, you know, that you remember that t-shirt, like stripling warriors, mama's boys. Has <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whole sleeve of that thing. Like-
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Dude, I, I would get, you know, the, like, you
0: know, the sick, like thick, bracelets that they wear in the uh in the Book of Mormon art, like when they're all, oh, they're yeah. all big muscly guys. Like what if I just got tattooed like some big brass bracelets? Gauntlets. Be, yeah. 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 Hell yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and while you're at it, like emphasize maybe my packs, maybe if
0: you could just like shadow <laughs> my six pack. That'd be for really, really great. Thank
1: you. Oh, sorry the is, effect they call it this is another tangent but did you guys see that there was that guy in the january 7th riots or whatever who was dressed as captain Moroni? Mike Lee
2: oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe inspired by mike Lee but he was dressed he was there dressed as captain Moroni totally and yeah, but I mean, he had he he basically had a gladiator costume on and totally. it's so silly it's kind of like how did that get associated with captain Moroni how did we make captain Moroni I mean, it's just all it's just all mythical gods and goddesses that we've created. yeah, in,
2: you know, you yeah. read steel swords and you just think Romans, you know <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> that guy was funny to me, like I you know, I whatever the 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 capital riots were awful and they're terrorists and all that kind. Of, but like that guy cracked me up a little bit because you know he he you know he was looking at himself like, oh my God, look at me. Oh shit, dude! I'm fucking. I'm. I'm a combination of oh, Captain yeah. Moroni and Maximus from Gladiator, like, <laughs> and he's just like this. Port- I mean, no. I mean, I'm not judging a dude, but he's just like this portly, kind of unkempt guy. And you know, he was feeling good when he looked in the mirror that morning. Like, this is it. We're Some- doing it. We're doing the <laughs> word stuff. This is what they told us about. This <laughs> is hanging by a thread, baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, that one was hard to tell. Like the line between. Is is this a joke or is it serious earnest, or is it kinda a happy marriage of both? I love those. Where you're yeah, like, I know not. this is silly, but there's a part of me that thinks it's really cool.
0: You know it was that. And I'm having a harder and harder time anymore telling the difference between satire and reality. Like literally, I I, I have I have a tough time. Like, I'll be like, I'm like one of the people I, I'm becoming one of the people who thought the Colbert report was real you, you know how there was those people that like <laughs> they would watch the colbert report and be like yeah he gets it i coming one of those people where i watch something or i see the news and i'm like is this a fucking tweet what I do not i don't understand <laughs> what this is this is a bit right yeah they're doing a bit on me is it april yeah i, I can't figure it out anymore sorry mike i'm just, just like i'm i'm just sort of rambling today i'm, I'm loving
1: this so we know what
2: we he- you knew what I was when you picked me <laughs> that's up. That's
0: right. You knew what you were getting
1: yourself. <laughs> <for>. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll get on the subject a little bit, but Tanner, it's good to have you back. I mean, it's been yeah, it's great been, uh, to be back. Yeah. I think it's almost been two years. I think you guys came. I was looking it back on it uh, like November or so of 2020. So, um, oh, wow. It's overdue. Yep. Time flies, man. Yeah, that's true. That's crazy to me. It's been two years. And that was such a good episode. I mean, I was listening to look back to it a little bit today, um, but I was like, well, I hate saying a but because it was great. I'm just saying I wanted to get more into your your journey and your story and your, you know, because in in seeing you um, early on with Zelf, you know, soon after leaving the church to what, I don't know, when you're just up there out, like on stage at Mormonpalooza and you're singing these enchanted songs and you look like this enchanted being, that just doesn't happen overnight, you know? I don't know. I don't know where to start with this, other than I just want to hear more about you. All right. Open ended. Well that's too broad.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> what's a where's a good
2: starting point? How about that? Uh, what what where's your timeline?
0: I mean, I guess I like pre Mormon. Pro- probably post-Mormon. people know yeah, probably people know your story, but maybe not. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about yeah. I mean, we don't have to Quick go recap. into yeah, we don't have to go. Yeah, just the boot camp kind of deal. Can we run through that a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was a extremely devout Mormon. Um, I like literally learned how to read, reading the Book of Mormon. They were my heroes growing up. Uh, and uh, when I was like 12, my family moved. And looking back, I can kind of see the ways that from a predominantly Mormon area to a where we were the minority, and I definitely see that age as like being really, um, you know, people are trying to find the things that make them them and hold on to different identifiers. And I think for me, that's when the church became like, Oh, this is my thing. Um, Cause I felt insecure and the church made me feel like I was like on this God quest to redeem mankind. And I started having those emotional communal experiences where, you know, they, The the whole manipulation of it is fascinating. I don't have to get all into that, but, you know, it felt like I acquired a very legitimate testimony, you know, things that I couldn't deny or couldn't explain and took it very, very seriously after that. Really, really literally. There's some people who it's like a cultural thing and they, you know, they read the scriptures, they say their prayers, they go. And I was like, no, this is like every day, book of Mormon in the backpack, pass along cards in the pockets, waiting you know every time you're interacting with someone it's like how can i make this about church
1: was uh just captain, really totally living for it i was gonna just ask was captain Morone a gladiator in your mind or how, <laughs> oh
2: <laughs> the next closest thing oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if the prophet had asked me to be there january you bet your bottom dollar i would have been there. um
0: <laughs> the standard so like of liberty I, is the most least is like the least inspiring on behalf of our wives and our children our family and our country. It's like, come on, put something more. Sorry, I interrupted, but go ahead.
2: No, you're good. It's silly. (laughs) Uh, I read a ton of Mormon books at that time, really started diving deep. Um, I decided I was going to make my calling an election. Sure, I was going to see Christ in the flesh because Joseph Smith promised that you could do that. So I was like, okay, great. How come everyone else isn't trying to do this? It's pretty wild. Went on a mission, and I think that was my first, like, Smack in the face of being like, whoa, this is a different program than what was pitched to me. And I went through an extremely deep depression because it felt like I was just on this like marketing team, this door to door sales team. And I didn't like the policies. I thought it was uh, a lot of it was like very counter whatever I had learned in church and like the actual spirit of the gospel but i kind of like took that you know you you take everything and try to spin it so it was like well this is kind of my test to see if i'll be true to the lord no matter what even when i don't like stuff will i still be obedient will i still be devoted will i still not sleep in for extra 2 minutes or otherwise <laughs> you know dan down the street isn't going to be saved with his family because i had to sleep in for two more minutes oh oh <laughs>
1: shoot we lost him dude, that. we <laughs> lost him dude that was
0: He's such a good storyteller.
1: I'm loving it already. And I feel bad. My, my Zoom's getting being a little glitchy. Oh. And so it's kind of throwing me off of when I can come in and not. And like, it's been, but like, damn, oh, I, I'm loving this. All right. Damn. He's coming like,
0: back. He's, he's dead on. Like you, you sleep in and it's like, oh, well, how, how will we know what street the Lord wants us to knock doors on?
1: You're back. Sorry about that. We were just just feeling for poor Dan.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Having a moment. (laughs) I was like, sorry, guys. I got to tap out. This is too much. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. uh, Ended up, you know, being like an assistant and, you know, really taking the mission very seriously, too, and trying to, you know, be the, the means of turning the thing more toward the true spirit of the gospel or whatever. Um, afterward, I went to BYU, Idaho, where I got enough religion credits to have technically have a minor in religious studies. I didn't actually get that, but I like had enough credits because I was just, you know, trying to do everything. And it was in college where I'm also, you know, working as an executive secretary on top of, you know, 14 credit hours, three jobs. And it was just like insane what the church was requiring of me. Also being in Rexburg, Idaho, where the sun doesn't shine for like nine months out of the year. And you're not allowed to have any kind of pleasure or stimulus outside of church, and everything is just bleak and dismal, oh. and uh, just a night. Nice, just a, it's a wonder I survived it. But um, I guess in leading up to you know where I am now, um, that's also when like art started taking on more of a role for me because it was something I had always done um, as a little kid. I've got you know a binder full of drawings of Jesus and all the Book of Mormon, prophets, and uh, uh, and at BYU Idaho, I I kind of had a re-emergence into that, and but it was always kind of sporadic because I was so devout and studious about the gospel, and you know had so many talks and things committed to memory that it was just like, again, it was just like the thing that I cared about most. I didn't consider myself an artist. I didn't consider my- an American or you know any of these other identifiers I was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and everything else was peripheral if at all so um, because of my faithfulness and the amount of study that i had put into it I had a lot of people approach me with questions and I had several convert friends who um, including a roommate who was black and he asked me about blacks in the priesthood and like hey what was all that happened with that and I was like, "Let me do a little reading and get back to you."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, like you
2: know, cut to me just like in a ball on my floor, like, "Oh no, oh no, what does this mean?"
1: What could what could pos- what could possibly go wrong in this moment? You know? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I should add in that at this point too, I you know I'm going on dates and things, and I'm so grateful that I made it through college without getting married and having children. No offense to those who did, but um, that would have been really devastating for me at the time because I still like sexuality was completely off my table. I was just trying to do the best I could to not think about it at all. Wow. Yeah, it was just uh, so tightly wound during all of this when I finally left the church. So that, you know, those questions spurred by my friends led me on a two-year journey where I was reading literally six hours every day, listening to podcasts. You guys know how how the Mormon yeah. faith transition thing goes. It just it, It's all consuming because... For me, it was like my faith was this rich tapestry and I couldn't just see it all go. I couldn't be like, this is bad. I had to like unwind it one thread at a time to check every single one to make sure like maybe the truth is in one of these avenues. And eventually you scour all the avenues and you're like, oh no, this is this yeah. is no
1: good. So that was after well, um, just I graduated Just to pa- it. pause you on that for just a second because I'm relating so much to your story. First of all, on the like having... The mirage of Mormonism shimmer on my mission to where it was just mm. like the. It felt like I was in MLM sales meetings. It felt like uh, you know it, uh, we weren't going out to the poor and the needy and the uh, you know bring your tired. Or, I mean that was actually that's more the Statue of Liberty mm-hmm. bring your tired.
2: <laughs> but that's the spirit of Jesus. Right? Like mourn,
0: <laughs> mourn with those who mourn, yeah.
1: for those in need of comfort. Yeah, same shit. I'm getting all my uh, myths mix, mixed up now, but. um, <laughs> and then to the a uh, thread by thread thing and for me if it it what shook it for me is when finally then i took a step back and saw the threads all together again after like going through each one and mm-hmm. being like oh wait this doesn't line up at all and right yeah
0: like um you know tanner you kind of mentioned something uh, uh, that you, you know you knew like you you had had those undeniable experiences right that, you know, the, the spirit whispered to you and, and you, you got that burning in the bosom and stuff like that. And, you know, the the thing that I used to explain away so easily kind of became the thing that was my final straw as I was unraveling that tapestry. It was that thing about feeling the spirit. Now, you know, when I, when I was a teenager or when I was on my mission, it was like, Mike, you and I were talking about Les Miserables, the musical, right before Tanner came on. And I was like, that
2: has been buzzing around. Why is
0: that? Why is that? I'm not sure. (laughs) So we were talking about that. And, and and, you know, when I, I would watch something like that, I'd be like, Oh God, I feel the same way as I feel when I feel the spirit. But then, you know, the lessons I learned from leaders and parents and all the thing was, Oh, well, yeah, that's the spirit, you know, confirming the truth of the concept of, you know, liberty and, and, and human rights and, uh, mercy over justice, and all these like lessons and stories, and then, it, and then it kind of came full circle for me when I was struggling with my faith, cried like not wanting to leave the church. Like I, I, I will, I'll hone in on anything to not have this identity and faith destruction.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then the final thing for me was like, oh yeah, shit, like if i can watch braveheart or or listen to les miserables and feel the same way as i feel at my most spiritual moments in the church that might be something different than it might just be that i'm feeling mm-hmm. an emotional reaction to stimuli right it's, yeah yeah yeah
2: and it's it's funny when you think you have the monopoly on that and then applied to different settings, you can still feel it. And it's like, well, then I guess the inverse would be could be true too, right? It's like <laughs> exactly. Everybody yeah. has that and it also applies to my thing. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It takes yeah. some intellectual humility and for a lot of people like myself, just a ton of evidence because... Those those hooks get in so deep, especially, you know, when you're reared from childhood and having it constantly reinforced by your family, by your entire support structure, by your educational system. It's hard to to get unraveled from all that. Hmm. So good job, everyone
0: who's done it. You had graduated from from BYU, Idaho, right?
2: Yeah, by the by the time. And, you know, it's sort of a, a blip on my radar now looking back. But I was also, you know trying to get a full picture of Mormonism at the time. So I was also, you know, reading up on fundamentalist history and talking with fundamentalists and, uh, going to alternate Mormon things and trying all that, just trying to see if there was any redemption in this at all, or if the whole thing was whack. And, and once I realized the whole thing was whack, you know, the rest is history. And so maybe this kind of is a good segue that, um, I have. Like I said, I've always been creative um, and the type of art, you know, like actual fine art, what, I, you know, that stuff always came kind of sporadically. It felt like usually when I was like really going through a hard thing and that was the way of of voicing it. So when I left the church and we started doing um, Zelf on the Shelf, our very first video was a poem I had uh I performed about that experience, and that was something that just kind of came out of me. It was like I just had to do it, and it just flowed. But then after that, and in um, you know doing psychedelics and rearranging the furniture and remodeling the inter- my interior world, uh, was able to start thinking about art more as a as a practice and not something that was just kind of like whoa lightning struck for some reason, but as a continual a practice of um, self-expression and self-discovery oh, and cool. all that. I've always done, I did s- satire in college as well. I had a, this is so tangential, I had a fake news website. The, the school paper there is called The Squirrel or The Scroll, excuse me. And I started a paper called The Squirrel. And <laughs> so I guess I always did have like a little deviant, a little yeah. deviance in me. Um, where I was like, we're taking things too seriously, and Mormons take things way too seriously. You know, so, shit's whack when you got when you're making covenants to not laugh too loud. No like, loud yeah. laughs.
1: I actually think that specific covenant was the beginning of like my depression before my mission. So I went to the temple and did my endowment. I mean, I think I've already talked about this on the podcast, but like, and then there was something about that covenant, the loud laughter and evil speaking of the Lord's anointed that I just, it just shifted my whole view of Mormonism. It was no longer this like give said the little stream. And whenever I hear the song Mm -hmm. of a bird kind of thing, it was something different with that. I I just want to talk a little bit more about this creativity part. Maybe we can get there. I don't know. I guess I'm at a loss. (laughs) (laughs) I'll
2: say about the loud laughter thing. I used to get, I have journal and several journal entries from like, you know, college era, talking about how I'm just like racked and riddled with anxiety because I made somebody else laugh too loud. I'm like, oh, they're making people break their covenants because I'm too funny. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, it was crazy.
0: <laughs> oh man. The, yeah.
2: And
0: Feeling
2: it's drugs. so important to laugh. Like it's so good. And you can just see like, you know, whether or not you want to use the C word when discussing the church, the, whether or not it's a cult, it's like, if people are trying to control, control you down to the underwear you're wearing and how hard you're allowed to laugh and what you're allowed to drink and where you can get your caffeine. Oh, yeah. It's it's a lot, right? It's I like, call it like I see it. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. I, I know what my question is now with the creativity <laughs> thing. So oh, you, yeah. you Ooh, yeah. described it as it was something coming out of you and you almost just needed to get it out. Yeah. How do you see, and you say you're trying to make, you've now more consciously made it like a creative practice to cultivate that. Yeah. How do you see that process now?
2: Now it's more, more conscious. It's like I identify with being an artist and a creator and a musician, regardless of my skill level or my monetary success in any of those endeavors. But, uh, you know, before it just, it was like, that's not who I am. So it's not what I need to focus on. It's not what I need to do. If it just happens, then it happens. And great. But you know, now I, now it's something I prioritize and I, um, you know, I schedule out today's the day I'm going to work on this music or this painting or this video or this stand-up routine or because recognizing that that is a gift and also a way of, uh, emotionally regulating because what was happening is I would get to these places where I was so overwhelmed and things were looking so bleak and art was like this like last recourse of being able to process something. And now if I do have a, you know, a big emotional experience, I still process it through art, but I'm also processing just like my daily experiences so that I'm not having to have these big welling up of these big dire feelings that have just built up over time and I'm unconscious of them it's like a way of regularly checking on checking in with what's going on in my body in my mind and journaling is a is an important part practice of that that's actually one of the facets of mormonism that I'm grateful for was instilling a journaling habit in me because often I'll start you know just writing about something writing about how I feel about something and then the curse happened the curse sets in and i start rhyming and then it's like oh yeah actually this would be great on a guitar
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that might be that's that's an interesting thing that to be able to even i mean i'm you know guitar wise i i can i can pluck out a few chords and stuff like that but it's it's funny how that kind of for me i used to write all the time mike i used to send you all the shit that I, i i would write and then even just having that Music, uh, basic capability, how it does kind of start to come in with the rhyming and and suddenly the 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 phrasing makes sense to you. I don't know. That, that's been an interesting part of my experience is Sort of like uh it's only been recently that I was like, "Why the fuck could I not write a song?" Like I I, <laughs> I, I never fe- I never felt like I was okay to write a poem or a song or or, or do anything creative or you know. Paint. God knows, I try to. I would try to paint, but I just never felt like I was, you know, qualified to do something like that, right? Or it wasn't, you know, kind of the way you're describing it. It was. It wasn't part of what my core identity would, which is I'm a Mormon first, and then I'm a father and a businessman and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, there's something that's happened, and I, I, I think plant medicine for it. But it's, it's become this thing where I'm like, well, why the hell not? Like, who? <laughs> who cares? Like, who cares? Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Like, who's yeah. up
0: there? Who's up there like the manager of art, right? It's like, wow, well, you know, you don't have any credentials or whatever. <laughs> it's like, well, to hell with that. I can do whatever I want.
2: Totally. uh That identification and permission thing is, is such a hindrance. And yet it's so, it must be so beaten us into us from yeah. childhood. Even, you know, someone, I was always positively reinforced about making art. People are always like, oh, I really like that drawing. Or, wow, how neat. What a cute poem. Or, whatever. But I just, I didn't take that on. And and just like you, I I didn't give myself permission to actively pursue it. It would just kind of happen. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And it's kind of silly because creativity, you know, it doesn't have to be in the traditional arts. There's so many ways that creativity can express. And yet we all have these unconscious narratives that we've inherited telling us that like, we're not allowed to do that thing. And it's just part of our basic birthright as of being humans, you know, since the dawn of time, Humans have been coming together and wiggling, you know, yeah, <laughs> Dancing, stomping on the ground, yeah. making music, sing, using your voice as uh, like the most basic musical instrument there is. And yeah. yet, you know, you think, oh, I'm not a good singer. So I, you know, I can't make music. I can't do that. And I've definitely had a big hang up with music because that's where I felt the least, um, you know, I see people who are just so gifted and, and I, I put in a lot of time and stuff and, and I'm like, how do they how do people do that? I just it doesn't come as naturally to me, but it's where my heart really lives. Like I just yeah. think music is the shit, it's the real thing. The you the whole universe is music and and being and like making music and singing with people. Oh that, that's what got kept me in the church for so long is singing with people and being like, Whoa, this is so true. And it's like actually singing with people is awesome. So, <laughs> and that's so it. So awesome. <laughs> I heard it you described s- recently as a technology of connection. And I was
0: like, oh, oh, totally it is. hell yeah. yeah." <laughs> so what do you suppose it is? Because like, if I'm giving, I, if I'm giving the LDS church credit, like they do, they they do cultivate like musical talent and, and, and creativity, really. I mean, but, but how come so many of us feel like we weren't, we weren't allowed to explore that? It, it, what, what do you guys suppose that is?
2: First of all, they also, they, it's a certain type of creativity. Like yeah. there's so many yeah. concert pianists in Mormonism who couldn't improvise a single note. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because they're sort of against any spontaneous expressions of creativity. You can't just start riffing, yeah. in a sacrament meeting song. You can't <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. dance that's right.
2: and move. And I, 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 as far as I know, they're not really generally gen, generally encouraging people to like. Oh, you wrote a song; you can perform that in sacrament meeting it like, in front of us. Oh, let's stick to the stuff that we is approved and it's good. It's also correlated, you know, with getting rid of the roaches and stuff. And we've unfortunately, I think, seen a downturn in like that creative impetus. Except outside of like the the academics or the ones who have just been taught to play the piano their whole life, so they can play the piano and they can sing a beautiful song, but maybe not be fully immersed yeah. in the creative life because the creative life while very spiritual is not always very conducive to religion. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah. That's well, that's there's something right. with the blocks. I mean, like if you look at it from an energetic standpoint and how creativity really comes from the lower chakras, right. And up usually, or like, it's like a, And have like sexual energy is creative energy. And so a block to the, our sexual area, like it, you're, you're going to, uh, you know, that chakra is blocked and it's so, but it's interesting. And this is what I'm kind of loving about it is you have these people who have been trained, um, maybe classically trained or, and like this group of people, Mormons in particular, and then when they start waking up, it's like okay, now that they've got some skill sets, and now all of a sudden they're like, wait, now I can get this inspiration, and I can lean into these feelings, and like get my feelings out in just music and art, and I can express myself. And that's what I think we're starting to see, like when we were talking about Mormon Palooza earlier and the road shows, and um, and all the ex Mormon creativity online that we see, like on you know the subreddits or you know, people doing you know, whatever they're doing. Uh, it's like this, I don't know. It's cool to see Mormons. Like, I feel like we're a really repressed, but artistic people.
0: Yeah,
2: totally. Totally.
1: And it's beautiful.
2: Um, this is probably maybe TMI, um, but relevant and allows me to plug some of the projects I'm going on. I had done poetry, like I said, our first video, which was also, I think, our most successful video up until today, like, was this poem. I had never, despite having done poetry, had never written a song, like, use my voice to sing, only to speak. And even, and then I've done several, had done several other musical videos on Zelf, like, you know, various raps and things. But again, it was just speaking. And it wasn't until I had sex with a man for the first time <laughs> and experiencing that energetic, uh, awareness in my body, it, it felt like a shift, but it was like becoming aware of an, an energetic cycle that had always been there. I just had never recognized it Like exactly like you said, focus there in the lower chakras that really just got me to, it, it opened my heart and got me singing yeah. and, uh, wrote a song and now however many years later am on the precipice of publishing a music video from it um so it's been a a long haul but uh i just thought that was funny that you mentioned that because that was totally my very literal experience
1: (laughs) holy cow that's just uh that's stirring something in me man um yeah I, i mean even thinking of it with um And we talked about this in like a couple episodes ago, Doug, when we were on LSD and like the uh, feeling that you kind of step into creativity. Like when we stepped up to that guitar and this was the night before Mormon Palooza and we were in Utah and it was like this creative energy that just went, and it was like, apart from me, I was just stepping into it. And, Mm -hmm. um, and how much I see, I don't know, creativity is, a channel like now I'll find that I'll feel some emotion and it's like, I need to get that emotion out. So I'll like, you'll say, I'll journal or something and write it. And all of a sudden something will flow through me or I'll pick up the guitar and just like play around with notes. And usually I'll make a mistake and the mistake sounds good. And so now that that mistake becomes part of the song and then it's like, all of a sudden like that comes out and then it's like, Okay, that's all I have right now. And it just kind of like bursts out of me in these like spurts. Mm. <laughs> you know, have these little ejaculations. Birth spurts. <laughs> birth spurts. Birth spurts.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but it, it's such a fascinating process to me. I mean, it's just so different than I pictured creativity like growing up Mormon. I mean, yeah. I didn't have access to that. And then now it's just, it's fun to play in that. And it's also frustrating as hell at times. But fun i don't mm.
2: know.
1: i love the happy accidents in yeah. creativity
2: but like you know someone walks into in while you're recording and says something weird and you're like you listen back and you're like that is so perfect how did that happen like we're keeping it
0: yeah that's that that's amazing how frequently that happens you know just those little yeah like i mean the bob ross thing the happy accidents so so Tanner I I'm I'd, I'd like to continue on to wh- what you're doing and 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 s- sort of your story um cuz you know you you and Sam you're you're this great team but you've also had these lives that have kind of weaved in different directions and towards each other and all that kind of stuff what um I I just lost my train of thought so what what has that been sort of that role with you know with Zelf on the shelf but also with your own thing and and just kind of creating your just be just living an artistic life like like you've been doing for, I mean, a decade, I mean, years now. Right. Mm-hmm. What what are some of the things that have come up through that part of the story? Because it's it, you know, it's easy to talk about the. The Mormon. Crucible that we all go through, right, the, the, the all the beats, the kid, the things that happened when I was a kid and then my mission and then finding out some stuff about the church. We, we all got some kind of outline of that story, right? But yours yeah, has been yeah. just this unique reflection of you. And, and what's that been like?
2: Um, well, of course, and this is the best place to discuss it, but psychedelics were so huge um, in that self-discovery. Um, and... reorientation toward the world like figuring out who i am what makes me tick what gives me value what do i want to be doing if if this is my one wild and precious moment of consciousness what do i want to do with it what do i want to be aware of what do i want to experience what do, how do i want to contribute how you know and um so it's been a an interesting um, and i'm sure this is a really common experience for people leaving Mormonism, leaving all kinds of high demand religions is just like, just trying to figure out what's going on in the world. And not that you can ever get to the bottom of it, but trying to become more familiar as Mormons, you know, we were so conditioned to be so scared of everything because anti-Mormonism is lurking under every nook and cranny on the internet. Every textbook (laughs) is filled with anti-God rhetoric. So, (laughs) and this whole world is just, you know, uh, so just being like open to things and being like, Oh, let's, try to brush up on science and psychology and botany and like, what is, what's happening here? Yeah. What and, is this? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then focusing on the art as a way of uh, processing what is, what I'm learning, what I'm absorbing, what I'm experiencing, um, what I'm thinking about. And then also as, as a gift, because art is the act of is the thing of the, the business of beautifying the world. They say that art decorates space and music decorates time. And so I'm just trying to decorate space and time as best I can and, um, have a few loud laughs along the way. Um, as far as like with Zelf and things, Samantha and I have always, it's kind of funny. We're like two friends who just love hanging out and making stuff. And, we just happen to be doing, you know, happen to go through this thing together. So that's what we we talk about. But we've always prioritized that. And it's even weird to say prioritize because that's just what it's been. And then we happen to, you know, have a little career of it, which is just odd. It's like bonus. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So fun. Um, but we've always made that, you know, if, if it's not fun, we don't want to do it. Maybe that's a part of our younger generation problematic laziness maybe it's a sign of a uh, dopamine system that's been fried by cannabis but we just won't do it if it's not fun and so if ever things feel like not fun and we're just doing things cuz we feel obligated or you know topics that we feel like we're supposed to discuss it's like we're we're not going to do that if 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 it feels like a burden for us it's not going to feel good for the audience that's watching so just and so everything we've done has been felt really natural but of course, because it's so Mormon specific, you know, I'm sure you guys can relate to kind of relating to Mormonism yeah. in at different ways. Sometimes you're like, I want nothing to do with it. I'm I'm not only not a Mormon, I'm not even an ex Mormon. I just am a human being having a journey. That was all prologue. I don't even want it in the book. Yeah. <laughs> just as a footnote maybe. Uh <laughs> but then other times feeling and the Mormon Palooza and roadshow experiences uh, were very much this of like reconnecting with those roots in a more wholesome, uh, evolved way that, you know, draws on that community identification. That's um, and that's just, that's really fun too when it, when it feels good and and right. Um, But yeah, because, because that's been so Mormon and, I've I've at times felt like I needed to, you know, I'll put so much attention into a Zelf video and spend hours and hours and hours making the most like uh, niche jokes to just like such a niche audience of people who had to like read so many 1800s documents <laughs> in the like deep library of Mormon literature that to find funny and then being like, why am I doing this? Why am I spending so much energy on on a joke that like three people will get and appreciate? I need to like refocus and do something that's like, just for me, it doesn't have to do with that. So it has been a balance for both of us of trying to like, okay, figure out how much attention we want to devote to it, how much energy. And again, trying to just make sure it feels, feels good and right. Um, I think we've landed at like a really a nice place with it where um i don't think of it i mean it is a channel where we do talk about mormon issues and religion and post-religious discourse but um also just recognizing it as a media platform that two friends have for expressing their creative philosophical journeys and whatever comes to that whether it be mormon conversations or chaotic uh, creativity stuff. I'm doing a music video within the next couple of weeks that is just like total absurdism has practically nothing to do with Mormonism other than filming by the Joseph Smith Sphinx and the temple and stuff, but only kind of as little homages rather than the main feature, you know, that, that has a place on it too. Um, I don't want to feel limited to the Mormon story. And I think this is pretty common as well, that the longer you spend outside the church, the more interested you become in other things, we'll get people who'll be like, Oh, you guys just base your whole personality on, on Mormonism and you made this your whole lives. And it's like, Dude, if you think this is my whole life, man, yeah. <laughs> come follow me on Instagram at Tanergy <laughs> <laughs> underscore art. <laughs> it's a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, as far as relating to Zelf, it's always just been about our friendship more than anything. And, um, I imagine will continue to be such. And we've both been, Samantha's also uh, an artist, a musician, a singer, and has um, quite a few like really impressive hits on her Spotify account. Like it's amazing what she's been able to accomplish, you know, having like not being in the industry or all that, just, you know, having people with resonate, resonating with her message and her style. and So it's been cool to see her, thing too playing out individually and and i'm trying to kind of at this point where i'm like okay like let's let's focus more on that like you're doing music i'm doing music let's see what we can put together oh, nice.
0: oh, that's we'll, cool.
2: we'll figure all that out there's plenty of time and
0: lots the of way, things
2: down the pipeline
0: samantha is an amazing like singer I mean, amazing musician um i had a i had a tiktok account mike when we, when when we all decided that mormons on mushrooms was gonna have a tiktok that, that was we a, never that was anything. a hot
1: minute, right? That was like- <laughs> yeah, it was like a hot
0: minute, and I I downloaded TikTok and set up an account, and I didn't really know how to do it, and so I just I had it for like a week and a half, and the I told Samantha uh, at the at the at the uh, Mormon Palooza, I was like, you your one of one of your TikTok videos, it was her singing and playing guitar, playing guitar maybe I don't know. I can't remember, but she was her singing is the only exchange i ever did on on tiktok i just <laughs> she did. she did a song i loved it i said wow what a great voice or what a great song and then promptly de- deleted tiktok and
1: i've so, seen you know, what i need to see on this I, I get it i, I get tiktok it. yeah i'm moving when you get right.
2: the message hang up the phone right i leave them one more i say.
1: yeah george costanza i'm out i'm out i'm out, I'm out. <laughs> <All right.
2: laughs>
1: Um, Tanner, there's so much that you said, though, that resonated with me with, um, uh, I I used to think, so, you know, I I left Mormonism and I I needed to get like as far away from it. Well, first I dove into it and then it was like, I I would measure my healing in how little I talked about it, you know? And so it's like, I would be like, oh, okay, I, t- I talk about it less and less now. And now when I get together with my ex-Mormon friends, instead of talking about it 8% of the time, we only talk about it 20% of the time. You know, it's like, right. we're all healing. And I thought eventually healing would mean I would talk about it zero. Yeah. But what I'm finding is that, and so now flash forward a few years forward, and I'm hosting a podcast called Mormons on Mushrooms and uh, <laughs> doing a, a an, ev- an event called Mormon Palooza. But it's because of what you were talking about, how it's like, I know it's not my whole identity. In fact, it's just it's a small part. It's my roots and um and some of the stuff I learned and and the like the soil that I developed from that I can't run away from. But we talk about like expansion, and as we continue to grow and expand, we realize and discover so many different parts of ourselves. And it's in discovering of those that allows me to now re like host Mormons on mushrooms. If I felt like it was my whole identity, I couldn't host this podcast, but because mm-hmm. I know it's something I do on mostly Tuesday nights and release it. And then I can do other things the rest of the week. Oh yeah. Let's dive in. Let's talk about Mormon shit. Let's talk about psychedelics. Let's talk about all of it. But um, it's mm-hmm. only a fraction of my personality, but I th- I think there's something too healing that we, we can claim parts of our identity that, it, we, we just grow bigger, and yeah, that's just what it brought up for me.
2: Absolutely relate to that growing, growing bigger. Uh, I felt like such a tiny, shriveled version of myself in Mormonism, though I I wouldn't have recognized it at the time. It's only having the now the juxtaposition and being like, "Wow, life feels so expansive to me," whereas before I was just in that like tiny, frightened box so constraining um and good to be out and be able to explore and and touch in with those roots know where you come from drawn although it's such a fertile field for wacky shit <laughs> you want some fun artistic inspiration drawing from uh land and place and people and culture like mormonism is such a wild insight into western america and uh religion in america and so it's it's still very relevant to talk about, even for someone who's never been in the church. It's just like an interesting story that has interesting implications in the world today. And um, so I don't feel so guilty anymore, uh, the ex-Mormon guilt of needing to not be talking about it ever, or else I'm not truly healed or haven't really moved on. Or blah, 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 blah. And that's, of course, just a binary that's been heaved on us by believers so once you leave the church you got to leave it alone and you must be so sad cuz you're always thinking about
0: it yeah that that that's such a fallacy lindsay hanson park called it um a frontier religion is that right frontier religion
1: yeah she called that's it a frontier right
0: yeah and, and 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 you know it's like you're saying there is so much cult- culturally to draw from because you know the story of of the west if you want to talk about the wild West and, 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 you know, cowboys, if you want to talk about people coming across the plains. If you want to talk about white people's violent interactions with, with natives, I mean, Mormonism is interwoven into that entire story of, of settling the West. And, and, and in addition to that, it also maintains these really weird puritanical and, and, in some levels mystic arts and and so it's like you know when when you guys were talking about how it's this niche community there there's not much more niche than being ex-mormons having some kind of like media platform also i would add like ex-mormons who do psychedelics who are having like a spiritual awakening like that, that that's like that's like a That's like a not very popular TV shows, like subreddit, right? It's like, it's like, you're, you're like making quotes from, you know, some show that was like on Amazon for two years, like Patreon. but it's,
2: but,
0: but it's more, it's so much more than that because I mean, all three of us have found this, 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 this way to express ourselves and to process some of the things that not only we've been through, but we're going through like Tanner I love that you said the ex-Mormon guilt because ex-Mormon guilt is still a real thing for me when sort of like just like, like being offered a new experience or being uh, invited to something I have to like process it through okay is this okay through my very very Mormon brain and then is this also okay from the the, ident- the Im- image I've built as being an ex-Mormon and it's just like I'm just f- layering this stuff on top of things you know and that's been, a, that's been a really interesting thing for me like Mike we talk about that a lot where yeah I love doing I love doing psychedelics and I like being silly about it and I like being serious about it and I like talking about funky silly church stuff like when we were talking about like the tattoos we wanted to get that's like my kind of conversation <laughs> right there right I love that shit <laughs> But also, I still really like to have a beer and watch a jazz game. You know, and it's like, where do I fit in? Am I being Mormon? Am I being ex-Mormon? Or am I just being? It's 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 such a it's such a fucking mind trip that I have to like figure out what what where that like what bucket that fits in, you
1: know? Mm-hmm. And maybe it doesn't have to fit in a bucket. That's what I'm
0: saying. It doesn't have to it fit in a bucket. Like it's the, the Doug bucket. The whole thing is <laughs> the, Doug the bucket. The whole bucket is right here. That's what it <laughs> is. You can
1: go, you can go have a beer and watch a jazz game and you can go sage yourself with Palo Santo and do a meditation. And then you can go, I don't know. You can do all, you can do all the things. Yeah. You know? The Doug bucket <laughs> contains multitudes, man. <laughs>
0: That's right, man. Do I contradict myself? Very well then, I contradict myself. I contain I'm vast. I contain multitudes. That's like that's like the first quote we ever had
1: on the on this thing. It's Mike
0: was it was that yeah. Walt Whitman quote, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, hell yeah. Well, and and then when you realize that, I think you're you're willing to claim reclaim parts of your identity or even claim them. You know, after Mormon Palooza, I was having a session with my therapist, and she said, "Well, would you consider yourself a singer songwriter now?" And I was oh. like, "Oh no." no I'm like no that's not I don't identify with that she's like oh why you went and performed you wrote you wrote <laughs> heartfelt music that you went and performed in front of a live audience why do you not you're a paying so- live audience <laughs> a pay a paying like yeah good yeah point. and I mean <laughs> uh, paying in probably too high a price of tickets which is another issue. <laughs> 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 but we we got a good crowd there even if uh, we were charging an arm and a leg but um Like, yeah. In other words, own that, own that. But it doesn't mean Mike is just a singer songwriter. No, there's so many different parts. And so I think as we expand, we can also realize and claim these parts of our identity. Um, It's not like, it's not a persona attachment. It's not even almost an ego attachment. It's just like, no, this is, this is part of me and then I can flow over here and I can flow over here and you can just flow. There's more of a, uh, mercurial, like Hermes type energy to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. as a Gemini,
2: I fuck with that shit. <laughs> yeah, <you know.
1: laughs> yeah, hell
2: yeah.
1: I didn't realize I was talking to Geminis today. Tonight.
2: Uh oh. You're always talking with two Geminis. That's <laughs> right. Twins.
1: Just find your half, Doug.
2: Samantha is a Gemini as well.
0: Oh, really? Oh, shit. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> in college, we used to tell people we were twins. We had a whole bit about it.
0: What before day? Before we what, even knew. Before you knew that you really were kind of like soul twins.
2: Before or? I even knew that there was a thing called Gemini and that meant oh, anything. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm May
0: twenty third. May twenty third.
1: I'm June eleventh. Okay, it's funny. Like, okay, we've reached that. What do we want to talk about next? Let's just talk about anything. I say. Well, I do want to talk about. I mean, maybe I'm gonna, and we can. But I want to talk about a couple, uh, or one at least, of Tanner's meaningful psychedelic experiences. Or it can even be psychedelic. It could be even just like meaningful, spiritual. spiritual.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: What's the difference, man? Uh, hey, brother. <laughs> and psychedelic, does, isn't it uh, mind manifesting? Isn't that the, what it literally means? Yep. And art is like innately psychedelic. Language is innately psychedelic. And that's what psychedelics show you. is like, whoa, everything is so psychedelic. <laughs> 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 um, I just well I have to just say it's not like I'll, I'll get to maybe a, a particular experience but just of late I, I psychedel- psychedelics and drugs generally I, I always tell people they're always like oh we should trip together we should do this or that." and I'm like I am actually not a fun person to trip with I wish I was I wish I could just laugh and have a good time but I can't I lose all my energy I turn freezing cold and I just have to like lay under a pile of blankets for like six hours and totally dissociated I'm, I'm not fun at <laughs> to do that with I just got to, and then I'll get like really sick to it. It's, it takes a toll on my body. Um, Damn. I'm just
1: following you. Thank you for saying that because I think anytime I do a group ceremony, I have to go like shake something out. I have to go lay down for a good couple hours and then I can usually rejoin the group and dance. But like, I go through a a thing in any group journey I go on. Yeah.
2: It's the beef of the experience for me. And maybe, you know, like you said, at the end or something, I can, come rejoin but yeah i i'm just i have it it takes a lot out of me and um so my usage of late has been microdosing and it's just has been so good and i just feel like mushrooms are such an a real ally it's that word gets used for a lot of things but like you know some some things like even cannabis which i love with all my heart from day one madly truly deeply in love uh i recognize that there are some you know potentiality for a shadow side there in regulating dopamine in the problem you know the harm that it can inflict on your lungs and uh on your heart and stuff like that and you know it's i take it with a grain of salt and i was like yeah that's part of the package for this thing that i really love doing i love living right. in utah too and it's giving me cancer what you yep. but mushrooms to me it, it's i know it, not everything is for everybody of course and i don't think mushrooms are for everybody i don't think psychedelics are for everybody um, but for me they're just such a true ally where i'm like this is just good um, where it gives me willpower that I didn't have before it realigns me with my deepest values and my highest aspirations, my most deep seated love it like reconnects me with that like gooey goo in our heart that wants good things for everybody myself included, and it's like, yeah, we're gonna do the things that are kind of hard, and we're gonna like exercise and eat good and and where I might, you know, otherwise be like, uh, I don't know, like the day after microdosing, I'm like, let's do it. And so that's been a huge tool for me, just like re, yeah, reconfiguring my life to be one that I want to live. Because following, you know, leaving the church, I got really depressed for a while, and and you know would have bouts of it. And it also runs deeply in my in my family. And um, trying to be like, what is a life that is worth? living oh. where i'm not like oh should i kill myself this is uh, i have to sit in an office for 80 years and uh make widgets for some guy who doesn't think a thing about it. you know it's like yeah. i don't want to live that that's not what i want to do that wasn't making me happy that was making me want to kill myself and so what do i what do i need to do to be excited about life and um and art for me is is that living you know a, a re- joyful living and spiritual living and all that. So that's just my plug for microdosing. While not a single experience has been this like general yeah. experience of the last few years of it just being like, just so good for me where I'm always like, oh, no one take microdosing. I, I treat it like medicine. So I'm like, it's going to make my stomach hurt and I'm going to feel loozy But then just like, Oh my God, that really helped me or, <laughs> you know, need to, process some emotions i can feel something welling up. am like okay time to deal with this let's do a little mushrooms it's interesting you know, um,
1: whenever i microdose as I far as
2: maybe, a single oh
1: oh sorry I, I feel like my zoom's lagging a little bit sorry guys so it's maybe oh you're, you're, you're totally, good you're good, you're good. It made me weird in my jump ins here because like i just it's not timing them right but um <laughs> But I just wanted to say one thing about microdosing, you know, it's like I, I'll take it and then you, it's it it show it highlights how much I've been ignoring my body because as soon as yeah. I take it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. I need to stretch. I need to feel I need to move. And it's just a microdose. So I'm not really feeling any like the psychedelic stuff. But like I just realize I'm all of a sudden aware of my body and I'm like, holy shit, my default totally. is more any of these feelings sometimes i'll feel an emotion but usually it's like stretching i'm just like stretching my hips and just you move it out for a minute
2: yes it's true yes
0: i mean doesn't it just how's how are you guys feeling about your relationship with yourself i mean for me i'm on a microdosing schedule now for the last few weeks and i'm just more aware of my my self-talk i'm I'm more aware of my relationship with myself and i mean Mike, we probably talk about this a lot. Tanner, how how's your relationship with yourself? I know it's a weird fucking question, but I, th- I think it's I think it's a real question.
2: Well, microdose helps me, and I think maybe clarifying what this self is or isn't maybe helpful because you know the problem with depression is it makes you completely self centered in the smallest, most constraining way possible, where it's just my problems, my pain my feelings. I mean sometimes it's like oh all the things going on in the world it's so terrible what a horrible life. Um but they've actually done studies where they've shown that people with depression um even their language is more self-centered. Um and yet when I'm when I am micro, on a microdosing schedule or just you know in healthy relationship with myself What I realize, and this is the takeaway of psychedelics, when when that default mode network is suppressed and you realize that what you actually are is the intersection of everything and that I am also this room and the space that I'm living in. And I am also my roommates and the house that I am in and my community and my environment. And so, what all that when I'm microdosing, I don't feel so like I don't. It's I don't have so many blinders on where it's just like my pinhole problems. It's oh my god! I my heart feels fed by so many rivers that are all connected to what I really am, which is these people and this work and these passions and this. Uh, you know, I, I feel more in, inspired to cultivate the area that I'm living in because I recognize that it's all part of what it is to be me and not just this like oh oh, i feel so scared and tiny and i want out i want out i want out so i'm feeling good right now um been yeah the last couple years have been i mean definitely had some like ups and downs always always do we always have ups and downs but getting feel like i've been able to start implementing habits and things that uh And, you know, that overall mind frame and and that regular connecting with that, I don't like the higher, well, yeah, people are always like, do you believe in a higher power? It's like, I believe in a wider power, you know, it's like power is all around Mm -hmm. and we're all, Mm -hmm. it's all mixed together and it's all intersecting here. And I do tap into that and I do feel that as a real thing and psychedelics more than anything.
0: I like that. that. But, you know,
2: having a meditation too and meditation practice is really
0: helpful a wider self. I really like it. Li- I like a wider power, not whiter, wider. That white is E-T-R. the
2: problem with saying wider power. It sometimes sounds like. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I need to find a better one for that. Uh,
0: broader, uh, broader, a broader, a broader,
2: broader power. There we yeah. go. <laughs> yeah,
0: I really like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Man, this thing took a turn quick. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, I mean, Doug, I'm just gonna answer your question real quick because, you know, um, it's like, again, it takes me back to being aware of my body and the like different parts, you know, I I think it's lately I've been very connected with myself in a way that's like, Oh, a part of me is saying no here. And I don't know why necessarily, but until like, it's a fuck yes for me, it's a no, and it's for me to sit with and figure out why a part of me is like protesting at this, you know. Um,
0: I like that.
1: And that's, that's a difference, you know, instead of just being like a mental checklist and being like trying to resolve it. I don't know if that's just making sense, but it's more just tuning in and realizing that like, look, something's not aligned with me right now. And so, yeah, no, I can wait. I don't, um, there's no, there's no rush to make a decision or to move. I'll wait until like my, my body says, fuck yes. And then I'll jump in.
0: I love that. I love
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, Tanner to get, um, into, because earlier we were talking about the power of music and it spurred a memory in me. I remember chatting with you when we were talking about like, uh, when you're doing the art for the song circles, you talked about going to a couple of festivals and one was like a psychedelic one, but then there was one with no psychedelics and just music. Mm, yeah. Am I, am I remembering that right? You, yeah, you are. Yeah. Um,
2: there is a gathering um, and they do one that's, it, it's a it's a, a singing gathering. So that's the main thing is just getting together with people, just singing. Um, instruments are allowed, but kind of to be used sparingly i guess <laughs> um and they, and there are like extremely talented musicians i was just there uh this last summer for the first time since covid going back to it and you know it's like being in a, a disney fairyland where you just sit down and you start singing and the next thing you know someone's jump, a concert cellist jumps in and is like Improvising on the cello, and then somebody else has got a tambourine and they're singing harmonies, and everyone's dancing. and You're just like, What is this new? Just out in the forest, it's <laughs> wild. Anyway, yeah, this uh singing gathering fuck? oh, it's 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 beautiful. It's just like just the most gentle people gathering. They make like they everybody brings food, and they have they have like a chef who goes through it all and makes food for everybody. And it just feels so communal, everybody making food and eating food together. It's just like the most bomb-ass, delicious vegan meals. But then with the focus on singing, this last year uh, was really interesting. Um, The first time I went, it was just amazing. I just like wept the whole time and was just like, oh, singing with people is so good. And they do, uh, you know, in these like around a fire, I guess, in the evening or in these circles during the day again, out in like the organ woods. So it's just beautiful. And you're learning these songs, people doing like call and response to kind of shorter, sometimes folksy, sometimes a little more uh, like choral type singing. And it was just beautiful, you know? Um, so heart opening to singing with other people. Again, that like connective technology that singing is like, it really does open our heart and make us feel connected to people and to nature and all that. Um, this last time as part of that um, that gathering, they don't call it a festival because it's so like <laughs> uh, nice wholesome vibes uh, but anyway, uh, they had a grief ritual and people in the psychedelic community you know that's that's part of it. This isn't the only place that does things like that. It you know it started with a um, kind of like a workshop with uh, a guy leading and, you know, talking about grief and how we process it as individuals and then as society and the way that capitalism has uh, largely isolated us from our community and from seeing each other's grief and holding that space for each other. And um, then there was like a little breakout session where, you know, people are expressing their private grief to two, maybe three other people. And I actually bounced for that. I was kind of like, I'm not actually even ready to like be that open with, with just a stranger right now. So I kind of bounced and then came back a little later and it, they had a, you know, a steady drum beat going and this simple, but beautiful melody, maybe three syllables, four syllables. um, that people were singing and then as they're singing people could come forward and express their grief and they had um these big pads and blankets and people would just collapse on it screaming crying weeping they had uh sticks like these padded sticks that people could just whack on the ground and express their rage and oh i I was like down the canyon and I just I hear drumming and singing and screaming and it wasn't even like oh interesting it was like my heart yanked me and was like get there go see that go witness that now because it was unlike anything I'd ever witnessed before because capitalism doesn't give us an opportunity to see each other's grief Religion didn't give me an opportunity to see people's grief. We got glimpses of it in like fast and testimony meeting, but even then, they're like, "Oh, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to air your grievances. You're supposed to just say the things that you know is true, and that's it." And so we just get these little glimpses into people's lives, and and to to like walk up on that scene where there are people encircled singing, and then to have other people in just like being able to express in a way that I've, I've never seen, just totally uninhibited, you know, mucus falling from the nose, like disgusting, no holds barred, not trying to make this pretty, not trying to save face, not looking around, not taking a selfie, not being like, this is me when I'm sad, just like true <laughs> gut-wrenching grief brought me like, just, you know, you know, when you, they say fall prostrate onto the earth, just that like fall down just at this space that was being held there in so much gratitude that that space existed and was existing in that moment. And I don't know, it, it really, really, really opened something up in my heart. Like I felt like this valve, just like whoa, opening up and, uh, and making me just so sensitive to, you know, that, that old phrase, the like, you never know the hard battle that other people are going through, wow. and it's like that is just so real. These, you know, you see someone just like screaming and, and hitting the ground, and and you can see the pain. And just knowing that that's what's like living inside of them every day. That screaming is is going on in their heart. And uh, a phrase from a friend is uh, anything you know. The emotions we bury are buried alive, and you can just see that you think about that person just how much anguish they're not able to share and you know I was originally very scared about participating in that because I was like I don't I can't hold space for somebody else's thing like I'm here to just like sing and have a kumbaya time like I, I can't really like make space for that right now but like holding that in community was so different because your heart was just open and you're like freely crying both of grief and praise at the same time. Like there's no differentiation. It's just a heart wide open to the world, to people, to feeling just holding it all, which is something that I am not normally in my day to day, uh, attuned or accustomed to doing. I don't, I don't walk around with my heart wide open, just being like, Oh my God, the beauty and horror of, of everyday existence. and, Wow! Every, this person, stranger passing by me, is a truly a being of light, a manifestation of the greater psyche that is also me. And I want to just share in this experience of affirm your divinity and the worthiness of love. You know, I don't really do that in my everyday, but in that in that setting, it just became so clear. And that like, it kind of made me be like, ooh, it's like, you know, earlier I, I mentioned something about like the the human birthright. Like when you start creating, and you're like. How come I haven't been doing this all the time? This feels so innate to what I really am. And I have been so out of touch with what I really am. And being in that situation, grieving in a way that humans have grieved together for millennia, you know, for 200,000 years, this is how humans grieved with each other in community. They held that pain together. And in capitalism, we hold it by ourselves. Maybe a trusted friend, maybe a therapist if we can afford it. But to just have it open, not something that we're ashamed of, not something that we're hiding, not something that we're worried is going to be a burden on other people, but just to be held and seen and witnessed was like, what the fuck are we doing on this planet? It's not that like we are so out of touch with what we are that oh we can't God. even grieve together. Like it just felt, uh, yeah. So, and I'm I'm still trying to like figure out what to do with that of being like, oh. I am a creature that is capable of this. Like, I, uh, I, I want to use like the the term telepathy. It's not kind of right, but we are communal beings, and that is so innate to being humans. And we are so disconnected from it. And I want my money back.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: <laughs> Sorry, Tanner, been
2: ranting, but it, seriously, holy I, shit,
1: I, you just. Uh, I'm just saying, you just unlock something primal in me. I feel like you were talking about. I, it's almost like unlocking a memory, a primal memory of how we should be doing shit. That I just can't. It's just, it's deep. Um, you talk about Mormon grief and capitalist grief, and you even like Mormon grief and Mormon funerals. They actually try to brush over the grief of like totally you know oh it's gonna be okay they're on a mission in the next life and aren't we so grateful for the gospel i'm so grateful for the plan of salvation i'm not you know like and just to be there and just weeping and uh raging and angering i mean there was something so in uh, the solstice event we did we did a collective drum circle Mm. that felt like this collective communal orgasm of energy that just like I felt like it was almost, I, I almost thought we were going to like, uh, uh, break the fault line there in, on the Wasatch <laughs> front. <laughs> and it was a moment for me, one of my first communal experiences where it's like, this is the power of us grieving and moving energy together as humans. And I mean, the, you know, I'm i I'm a crier. Um, there's something about just hearing this like collective grieving that just, I feel drawn to that almost. Like I want to be there with people and in their pain and let's move through it. Let's like, let's feel it. Let's like get it out and like express it. And damn, holy shit. It's just unlocking something in me. So thank you for sharing that. Um,
0: Well, and it's, it's, I mean, that, that community part, like it's not just grief. I mean, Tanner, you mentioned grief and, and maybe praise or gratitude, um, Mm -hmm. no existing simultaneously, but also the, you know, joy and despair and, um, the cleaners are here. That's why the lights went on just now,
1: but also you're just feeling the spirit. (laughs) Doug's getting uh, lifted up to heaven. But it's, it's,
0: it's, it's really just how, um, you know, I think that you guys mentioned it best. How we, we, we have we have found a way to capitalism has found a way to profit off every emotion, or 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 profit off the taking away the ability to express those emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I think about like Tanner, he, like Mike, hearing you tell that story about being in the woods in Oregon. You know, when we, when we did this drum circle, the guy who was kind of leading it talked about the most basic thing is that people were matching their heartbeat to stomp on the earth, to make like a beat, to make a a community sound together. And then Mm -hmm. that, that, that was followed by wailing and singing and laughing and crying. And, you know, those, all of those emotions either have to be suppressed or cost money now right it's it it really is a way i i I serve my mission in taiwan and in chinese in in chinese culture um wailing literal wailing at a funeral is part of the grieving process Mm -hmm. and traditionally historically it would be the loved ones the family members of the deceased would make a very public display of wailing and now, you know, I went to a number of funerals when I was there. And now you there there's a there's an actual business that you hire a whaler for your funeral who shows up at the funeral and cries loudly and screams and and moans throughout, you know, people giving little like, you know, remembrances and giving little, you know, sharing about the the deceased. What a what a what a what a very Vast contrast in the in the story tenor that you're telling about the community being in really in, indistinguishable between the person who is sharing the grief and those who were holding and absorbing and processing that grief with them, and it's just like this big thing that that rises and grows, and everyone's sharing in that and having all of those emotions, all of those feelings, versus like okay, well, my mom just died. I got to, okay, we got to make sure we get the funeral home booked and we got to make sure we have speakers for the funeral. Oh shit. We got to call that whaler. Like we got to make sure that we can get on the whaler. <laughs> <successful>. <laughs> right. And it's, you guys are talking about something that, you know, Tanner, you said, I, I was, I was like right there with you when you were like, I don't go through my life walking past every single person and being like, holy shit, look at us,
1: look at us, we're, we're here. We, we did it,
0: but I kind of want to. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a big part of me that wants to, but the things that stop me are, well, how does that look to them? And not everybody's on that same kind of wavelength. And that makes me feel nervous. And I'd look like a fucking idiot if I did that. And also, I don't want to put myself out there because what if I send something out that doesn't get returned? And then I'm just, it's, I leave it hanging. Or what if it, what if I lose, you know, Job opportunities. What if I live? What if I lose opportunities for for a connection and friendship because I'm the fucking crazy person on the street that's got a sign and is yelling at people <laughs> all the time? Right? I mean, that keeps trying to hug me. <laughs> yeah, hug me. Insanity is the only logical conclusion to existence, and yet we're all just like, now we can't do that. We gotta be, we gotta be less insane all the time.
2: Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> I was just reading this week about divine madness and how that's absent in Christianity. And how um we need to we need spaces to go insane and to go crazy and
2: oh yeah, crazy wisdom. We need that. Yeah.
1: That's right.
2: Uh, I just want to say it's great to know that crybabies like me and Mike could have a job in China if things ever go south.
0: Honestly, you guys could clean <laughs> up. You guys could clean
2: up. Need to brush up on my Bob Marley songs though. Bob and the and whalers. The whalers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i just saw is it skip skip marley maybe in the way Whal- skip marley is bob marley's son or nephew or grandson but he's touring with the whalers right now oh nice yeah so i just saw them a few months back and dude i don't know what happens like you can have a whole group of people who come from all walks of life religious political you know they're they're economic system beliefs. You know, we're talking about communism or we're talking about capitalism. People would talk about, you know, socialism. Okay. You can get a group of people who come from everywhere. And when the whalers start going, no man, everyone's <laughs> got to join. Everybody's sharing in that love. Like it's a weird, <laughs> it's a trip, man. They they've unlocked some kind of code.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like Bob Marley. For sure. Yeah. Well Tanner, I felt like you helped us unlock some sort of code tonight. I don't know. I oh, just, yeah. uh, you unlocked something in me. Um, anyway, so thank you. (laughs) Yeah, of
2: course. You know, it's something that we're all, we're all learning together. We're all, you know, walking out into outer darkness to sing what gems we uncover and bring it back to each other and say, Hey, look what I found over here. And, you know, carrying that torch out. Uh, and so we're all, we're all learning together and, you know, of course, you know, I criticize capitalism, but it is the world we live in. And, um it's just good to see that people are finding alternatives that we're not just getting so stuck in the roles because that's kind of the problem right like you see someone's divinity but you're like ah the role that i have with this person prevents me from acknowledging an even deeper and whole more holistic and more infinitely more rewarding relationship which is one of like true human community and you know being one of one in cosmic consciousness or whatever um so it, it's good to just see that there are people um, who are in the world we live in. Right, you know, we got to make money. We got to have a job. We got to charge people to go to events. Like, it sucks, but it's what we're doing. And I know that people with—I I did want to say this—for uh, people coming out of cults can definitely, you know, hearing about stuff like this can cult radar, cult radar. Rah, 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 like I, I was very scared to be in any kind of space where I could feel like synced up with other people or uh, have my heart open to a communal experience because you recognize how easily it is to manipulate those types of experiences or how susceptible people are to messaging and uh, that kind of stuff in those states. Um, But in my foray out into the world, I've just been really inspired to see that like, oh, religion exists. Religion is the place where people are not trying to deal with that stuff. But there are are alternatives today where people are addressing that head-on. Like, how do we make sure that environments are safe? How do we make how do we handle this kind of crisis? How do we make sure that you know our messaging is not being conflated to give any undue coercion? Or you know, there's people who are tackling this. And the, again, the commun- ex- communal ecstasy is a human birthright, and it's a it's it's something that we can experience, and it is so just so beautiful and so powerful and you know after that experience of um of letting go and purging later that evening there was a drum circle that turned into this like hari krishna Mm. chant that was like the most ecstatic and then like it was one of those things where like you know like an ecstatic dance or something where everyone kind of without talking about it just something starts happening and everyone starts moving the same and then get together in like a huddle and everyone's vibe you know, oh and vibrating <sighs> in this like ball of sound and it's just happening. <laughs> like, this is so cool. Uh oh, as you know getting getting really excited again about this uh just because it was such a, a powerful psychedelic <laughs> experience even though I wasn't on psychedelics proper it was very like mind manifesting and heart manifesting experience. But uh I'll get off my soapbox now. Thanks for letting me stand on it and uh, rant for a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> always have a soapbox here. <laughs> uh, you,
2: gotta, you gotta go to
1: this thing next year, man.
2: You really should. Uh, yeah. I'm almost reticent to say it. Uh, yeah, I you know, probably don't. want maybe... Information message. They, they do try to keep it, it yeah. kind of under the radar only because they want it to be like a place where people who are really there to like vibe with the vibe can come. It's not like secret in any way, shape or form. It's just like trying to make sure it stays a, a cool, wholesome space. And you guys should definitely go because it is awesome. And if anyone's interested, shoot me a DM and I'll I'll hook you up.
0: Yeah, sold. Um, yeah, expect a DM from me, Tanner. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, speaking of speaking of keeping the lights on, how can people best support you? Like, make checks payable too? or like specifically, <laughs> oh, yeah. what? Yeah, where do you want people to support you?
2: Well, if you just if you just want to um, buy me dinner or something, uh, you can shoot me something on Venmo Tanner uh, dash or Tanner hyphen Gilliland. Um, you can support us on Patreon. The Elf on the Shelf Patreon is a really good way to become a monthly or yearly donor. Yeah, those are probably the two best ways. If you like my art, I sell prints and uh, do commissions and downloadable art getting my etsy store together right now but i have a few things on instagram that you can check out uh that's tanner G underscore art yeah those are the big ones
1: cool perfect we'll put all those in the in the show notes
2: yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. thank you so much
1: well, Tanner, thank you for gracing with us with your presence. I mean, I, that sounds cliche, but it really is what I felt tonight. So thank you, and true. I can't wait to. Uh, I can't wait for the next uh, road show, whatever we do. I just, I just want to hear your music again. <laughs> so yeah, I can't yeah. wait to. I can't wait for us to
0: get something together so that I can hear you. You play again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, every every time we we interact in any capacity, I always feel so invigorated, and then. Also that like craving of like, man, I wish I could hang out with those guys more. So definitely looking forward to the next, next occasion. Same.
0: Same. Now let's do it. Cool.
1: I'd also love to jam some time without people around. We don't need a hundred people and we don't need to pay and sell tickets. Let's just. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I would,
2: I would definitely love that. Yeah. Hit me up next time y'all are in town.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll take you up on that. We probably will. Like if that's cool. Like, yeah, that'd be be a lot of fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All well, right, thank boys. you guys so much. Always a pleasure. Love you guys. All you right. Too. Take
0: care. Bye.